So let's get into it this morning. Uh, by now, hopefully a lot of you, your cobwebs are cleared. You got that Folgers. Best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup, even though my wife doesn't. Shouldn't believe that anymore. She's she's moved on. She's gotten revelation. Folgers is not your thing anymore, is it? She'll drink it, she says. She drinks it. Um, um, but anyway, so maybe you got your favorite cup of Joe this morning. Not Joe Bickley, but just your favorite cup of Joe. Um, but you're just ready to go and receive. So let's get into it today. Last time, if you were apart last time, we had an awesome, uh, I thought like two weeks ago it was tremendous. We talked about the fact, uh, we, we really got into this one another thing the Bible talks about, right? We said that the Bible says there's over a hundred commands in scripture to, to uh, one, one, uh, over a hundred times the word one another or each other is used in the New Testament. Some of you didn't know that, right? Because we don't really like to talk about it. It's one of those things that's in there. We just kind of skip over because you can't really talk about it without being challenged. And I will tell you, show of hands, those of you that are engaged, how many of you, I can't see your hands, so I'm just as a rhetorical question. How many of you in the last two weeks, you've been challenged with that one another stuff? I'm raising my hand not because I'm being, um, this, is not, this is not rhetorical. I'm raising my hands because I've had to face several one another challenges. Some of them I passed quickly, others it took me a little while to get through the test. Uh, but by the grace of God, we're getting that one another stuff worked out uh, because it's important. And the Bible says uh, over 100 times it uses the phrase one another, each other, in the New Testament. And 59 of those times, I said it last time, but 59, get that, 59 times it's a direct command about one another or each other. Now think about that, right? The Bible says, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. How about 59 witnesses? How's that do for you? So again, we laid the foundation. And one of the things we talked about last time, which was so important is, is according to the word of God, there should be a supernatural love flowing in the body of Christ. It shouldn't be a normal love, right? Because the Bible says that even sinners know how to love each other in, 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 in commonality, even sinners. I mean, I, I have to be, it sounds like a funny illustration, but it, 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 um, it fits several years ago when the Baltimore Orioles were still somewhat a decent baseball team. They actually made it to the playoffs and, um, uh, my friend, Brant Nielsen, um, was very kind. He had a ticket to the playoff game. And so he invited me to go along with him to the playoff game. And this was like, you know, the first time in, in, in a long time the Orioles were actually in the playoffs with a, with a legit chance to be a good baseball team. So long story, it was a very pivotal time in the game. They were losing. It was towards the end of the game and there was a, a batter up. And he, uh, he hit a ball that went all the way to the fence. And all the runners, uh, one runner from first base, went all the way around and scored um, at home plate, sliding in safely to take the lead. And we were in a stadium uh, with over 40,000 people. And I'm telling you, that place just what, I mean, literally, it lifted off the ground. And some of you know me, some of you don't, but I'm a little excited. I'm a little passionate and I was a part of that. I mean, and the funny part about that was you're high-fiving, you're, you're, you're high-fiving people you don't even know because you're all cheering for the same team. And so, man, we're high-fiving, everybody's high-fiving. It was, it was crazy. 
because even in the world, if we find common ground, we can love each other. But we're not supposed to have that kind of love in the church. Yeah, we have commonality in the church, sure. But our love is supposed to supersede just the fact that I like you because you're like me or I, I love you because we have some kind of... No, there's supposed to be a supernatural love that when the, when, 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 when the world sees the church, they go, wow, this shouldn't be the case. This shouldn't be the case. Because supernatural love supersedes worldly expectations you know we can all come together we can march for whatever cause we're marching for but that's not what the what the church is to be we're not a social club we're not fighting for social justice we're not trying to fight for a social cause we're trying to be the supernatural manifestation of the body of christ we talked about that that's completely different too many the the world the, the the church has adopted a worldly mentality and now the church has moved towards being a social club and that's why most churches you see that they get most of the time it starts to fit a certain mold it will it will it will skew towards a certain demographic it will it will skew towards a certain race because that's what the church has become but the true church should have every demographic every race every creed every color every educational background because that's true definition of love heaven will not be segregated heaven will not be categorized heaven will not have a uh, a a seating system for the rich up front and the poor in the back heaven will be for everybody that's what the church is supposed to be we talked about it. ephesians says that the mysteries of God, the wisdom of God, the, 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 the power and the demonstration of the wisdom of God is demonstrated to the heavens, meaning the heavenly bodies are looking at the church as God demonstrates. So this is an amazing point we have to understand, but we talked about that. But as we, 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 we moved in a little bit, we got towards the end, and last week, we kind of, two weeks ago, we stopped. I want to read to you a scripture here because... Here's the point, what happens. It's not just about love, okay, let's love one another, you know. It's not that, you know, is it, uh, who, who sings it's uh, uh, um, the OJs, right? People all over the world start a love train. We're not trying to start a love train. This is not what the church is supposed to be about. But when we, when we participate with supernatural love, you can't participate with supernatural love if you don't have supernatural power working in you by the Spirit. That's why you have to be Spirit-filled, walking in the Spirit, living in the Spirit, connected by the Spirit, right? True, right? And you can't have the Spirit of God without the evidence of the Spirit of God. What's the evidence of the Spirit of God? It's that you have uh, a heavenly language flowing through you. The Bible talks about speaking in unknown tongues. This is not what we do, but it's the evidence of the fact the Spirit of God is in us. So we have the Spirit of God working in us that allows us to operate supernaturally to bring supernatural love. But here's the power of that. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to build for just a second. Ephesians chapter 4. Now this is, it's going to be six verses here. I think it's six verses. Um, we're going to focus on the last part, but we're going to start um, actually just because... Yeah, let's do it. Let's start at verse 1 because I want you to see the whole uh, part. But I want you to focus on verses 11 through 16 because that's actually one gigantic sentence uh, in thought that Paul gives. There's not, a, there's not a period at the end of any verse from 11 to 15. The period comes at 16. So that's one verse, one huge sentence. We'll get to that in a minute, but let's read it. Ephesians 4, 
Verse number one, I therefore, the prisoner, and this is Paul, in case you're not knowing who's talking, this is Paul talking. He said, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling in which you are called with lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. Whoa, time out. There's another one of those one another's. Bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. But to each of you, each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Now, that's an awesome verse right there. You, we could go all day on that verse right there, but we're going to move forward about the, the, uh, the, the grace given to us, the measure of grace given to us. But verse 8, therefore, he says, when he is ascended on high, he led the captive captive and gave gifts to men. Verse 9, now this, he is ascended. What does it mean that he is also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He was descended and also the one who ascended far above all heavens that he might fill all things. Now, here we go. Here's the, here's the, here's the sentence Paul is getting to. And he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Okay, he did that. For what? For the equipping of the saints. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's awesome, but let's continue reading because he he's not done yet. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the, of the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of man and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, get this ready, the whole body, joined and knit, knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now, there is so much in that last verse. I'm going to try to break it down as quickly as I can, but understand the importance that this is going to mean. And this is why we have to have the spirit of revelation because let's, let's do some comparison for a second. And this is not trying to point fingers. This is a comparison. I want you to see the difference. Now, I don't have my whiteboard with me. It's over here to the side, but I didn't do a whiteboard today. I wanted to stick. I got love in the background because all we need is love. So, Religious tradition, and this is not a bashing of religious tradition, just trying to give you a comparison. What has religious tradition done to the church? There's a lot of things, right? But let's look at one of the major things. When you come to church, and we're going to use that because that's what we that's the terminology we use. You can't come to church, you are the church, but we'll use that for a moment. When you come to church, what do you see? Think about it for a second. Let's let's get in our minds. I know we haven't done this a lot lately, but you all can remember, work with me here. When you come to church, what do you see? You come in, and again, this is not a bashing. Don't be like, oh, are you telling me it's wrong? No, I'm not I'm trying to get you to look at this verse differently. When you come to when you come, what do you see? You walk in, and what you usually see is rows of chairs, pews, whatever it might be, all pointing up to a single focus. Right? So when you come in. To the church, to be the church, what role do you play? What's your role? 
because what has in some ways unintentionally happened, I'm not saying it's on purpose, but it's maybe an unintentional consequence. What happens is if you're not on that that platform, if you're not behind that, that pulpit or you're not in some way participating in leading, what's your role? Because I've been on both sides, right? Obviously, as pastor, I've spent a lot of time on that side, but I have been to hundreds, if not thousands at this point in my life, where I've sat on the other side. And frankly, what's our role? And in some ways, I don't mean this to be derogatory. I'm trying to get you to think. In some ways, my role is diminished to that of cheerleader. Because my role is to cheer on or to encourage those that are doing the work. Right? So my role in some ways feels somewhat insignificant. I'll give you another illustration. We'll get off that for a second because I can feel the heebie-jeebies with some of you because you're getting uncomfortable. Let's go to somewhere else. Some of you may say this if you do. I'm not knocking you, but it just makes me laugh. Go back to my, go back to my illustration a few minutes ago with the Orioles, right? When the game was over and the Orioles won, some people said, hey, we won. We we won. Now, I get what they're saying. They're, you know, they're invested into the team. But I got to be frank. There's no we. The Orioles won. I'm a fan of the Orioles. But the Orioles and I are not we. It's them and me. I'm a fan. I may pay money to go to a game. I may wear the gear. But there is no we. Because I got to be frank. When the batter is up at the plate, he's not going, wait a minute, don't, don't pitch. Where's Joel at? Is he watching? Joel, I need you, buddy. Stay connected. We need you. I know. You're here. Are you there, Joel? Okay. All right. Go ahead. Pitch. I'm ready. Bring, bring it on. Bring it on, pitcher. Because Joel's, Joel's in the stands. He's we, we need you, Joel. Come on, man. That was one of 40,000. I'm not diminishing my voice. I'm sure I've heard players say it. I was in a small, small, teeny little... Uh, part I played athletics and I was in some pretty uh pretty uh electric environments and I know fans can get you charged up but I gotta be honest with you I wasn't looking around going I I no I was focused on doing my job and the job with my teammates that was the we so yes we won but I didn't win they won so when we left the game yeah the Orioles won yeah I'm excited because I'm a fan but there was no we right because they don't need me to play. Whether or not I was at the game or not was not going to change the outcome of that game. Let's be frank. If I was watching that game, sitting there with the group of people that I was sitting with, or if I was sitting at home watching it on, a, on, my, on my television, or if I was in a restaurant watching it, wherever I was, was not going to change the outcome of that game because my contribution to that game was zero. Outside of the fact of the money I gave that somehow maybe a few pennies of that trickle down and pay the player's salary. That's the contribution I give. So there is no we in that. Now I can say we. I can say we won. That's great. But let's be frank. There is no we. My role. So you know what? Got to be honest with you. Uh, some of you may or may not go to sporting events. But got to be frank with you. Nowadays... 
the hassle of going $1,712 for a hot dog. I mean, we, we took my last year, my kids we uh, took me to the Oriole game from Father's Day and we went up to buy some lunch. And I turned to my, one of my kids and said, which one of you is ready to be sold? Because I don't know how we can afford I mean, literally, we didn't buy a gourmet meal. We bought some hot dogs and a drink. And I think someone got a pizza and chicken. And the guy was like, that'd be $747. I'm like, what is this, gold food? So saying all that, after all that, the hassle of it, I went, my son wanted to go. He's a huge baseball fan, so for his birthday, we wanted to go. He wanted to go to the Orioles game. We went to the Orioles game, and for goodness sake, it rained. It rained, and there we are sitting. Poor little guy is shivering cold to death. We're sitting up underneath the, the, the overhang of, of the upper deck watching this game, and I thought, this is cool for some reason, but man, it was hilarious. We're sitting in the stadium, and above us, because of the overhang, there was a little little TV screen that showed you parts of the stadium you couldn't see because your your view was obstructed. And we found ourselves sitting there watching the game on the screen instead of watching it right in front of us because it was easier to look up. And I thought, you know what? It was free to watch it at home instead of being here. Now, I get it. I know some of you just, well, the atmosphere is, okay, but this, I'm not here. This is not ESPN. I'm not trying to make a sports analogy. I'm making the statement that my 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 participation or me being there does not change the outcome of the game. But you know what's funny? I think in some ways we feel that way with with how we look at church, right? My involvement, me being there, doesn't really change the outcome of the game. Right? Someone's going to preach, someone's going to sing, someone's going to do their, their, their deal, whether I'm there or not. So when I go to church, what do I see? I see a crowd of people cheering on those that are doing the work and wow, and then I read this scripture here and I read that part and it says, wait a minute. Okay, from the whole body, joining it together by every joint supplies according to the effective by which every part does its share, causing growth of the body and edifying of itself in love. Okay, what's my role? Got to be a good cheerleader. That's my role, right? So that's it, brother. Preach it. Come on. That's it. Come on. Preach it. That's it. I'm not knocking that. I mean, come on. I'm not, don't, this is not a knock. But that's what we've diminished that verse to be. Well, everybody, let's sing together. Everybody, let's worship together. But come on, we know what it's like. We've all been there, right? We've been, there's sometimes you didn't sing as loud as you could sing. You didn't clap to the beat. You were just sitting there. And let's be frank, the world didn't stop. And so when that happens, you go, well, what is, what's my role? If this is what it's supposed to be, my role is diminished. So what happens? Then we're like, well, in order to be a part of this Verse, I've got to work my way up the, we've got to, i got to work my way up the ladder. So, well, if I want to be a part of the body and, and every joint that supplies according to effective working, which every part does its share, I can't be sitting here. I've got to work my way up to that. That, that platform is where it's at. i got to work my way up there. So what do I start doing? I start jockeying for a position to get up on that platform so I can be a part of the working of the body. That's not what the scripture was about. That's what we've allowed. That's where it is right now. So whether you're brand new in Christ, and this is only your first few times participating in the body, or you've been around so long that literally your chair has dust on it when you get up because you're so dusty and crusty, 
We're all a part of making this thing work. That's why when Paul was trying to compare what the body of Christ is supposed to be about, he did not use the operation that we would think of, here's what you should do, come to listen to the... No, no, no. He didn't say that we are supporting apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He said they are, they are supporting the body. And Paul numerous times used the human body to illustrate the point. For example, your body has 260 bones. But here's the cool part about that. You have 206 bones. I say 60, it means 206. 206 bones. But you know what? You have 360 joints. Without joints, those bones don't really function. So watch that verse. From the whole body, joined and knitted together, by what every joint supplies according to the effective work in which every part does its share. So that means my part in the body of Christ is of no effect unless I'm connected to a joint. So your body has 206 bones, but 360 joints. So that means an individual bone has no true effect on the body unless it's connected to the joint. So you have right now, and I'm terrible at my, what's this bone here? Do you know what this bone, forearm bone? I'm terrible at bones. Some of you right now, some of you medical people are screaming at the screen. It's the, I don't know what this bone is called. What is this bone? Is this the femur? That's the femur's in the leg, isn't it? I'm just, I'm, my medical, lack of medical knowledge is really uh, struggling here. Uh, Google it, Kate. The radius and the what? Yeah, the radius and the ulnar. There's two bones in there. So thank you. I know, appreciate it. Some of you are just, just, you're just embarrassed today. I know, I'm so sorry. I'm going to go look at a, an anatomy chart and a skeleton when I'm done. But uh, so you have the radius and the ulnar. So two bones in there, right? Those two bones are important. If you didn't have those bones, you'd be struggling. But those bones don't really have any true effectiveness if they weren't connected to this joint and to this joint. Right? Your hand, I don't even know how many bones are in your hand, but your hand is not effective. This finger is effective. Why? Because it has joints. It can do this. Without joints, there is no movement. Without joints, there's no... Without joints, I cannot hold pen. I can't do certain things. I can't, I can't grab stuff without joints. I've got bones, but I've got no joints. Can I tell you this? The church has allowed their bones to be fused. Several years ago, I hurt my neck and that was something they were talking about. They said, well, you know what? I think the best option for you is to get your neck fused. And I'm like, time out. Wait a minute. Jesus didn't design my neck to be fused. And I know some of you have had to do that, and, I, and, and, and I, I've, I've heard the stories of it. But my vertebrae was built to move. It wasn't built to be fused. And they're like, well, we need to fuse it. And I'm like, I don't want to get fused. So I went through this long year of recovery, and by the grace and mercy and miracle of Jesus Christ, my neck was healed through the, through the power of God. I mean, I, went, I had a bulging disc. I had nerve damage, all of that, but God healed me of that. I had no fusion because you know what? Your bones aren't supposed to be fused. 
If I fuse these bones together right now, guess what? I still have an arm, but there's no... You mean, try to scratch your head with a fused elbow. <laughs> I got my wife to laugh on that one. That was good. She laughed. <laughs> Think about that. Try to scratch. I mean, try to eat with a fused elbow, right? I don't know if you can do it. It doesn't work, right? So you have all the bones, but with no joint, you don't have any effectiveness. The church is not supposed to be 206 bones, but it's supposed to have 360 joints, connection points, places where bones can come together. We've made the church the head and 206 fused bones. So the church is this. We've got a head. Jesus Christ is the head. Woo! Ain't nobody do me like Jesus. But his body is this. His body is Frankenstein. It's stiff as can be. Right? Frankenstein's monster. Frankenstein is the doctor. Frankenstein's monster. He's stiff, right? He just So we try to do the work of, as Paul said here, the effective working and the causing the growth of the body of Christ. You should see Christ's body trying to work when it's fused together. Try to do that. Because not only have elbows fused, our shoulders are fused. So try to love somebody when you can't move anything you're just a big stiff board why because we've said bones are important the head is important but we don't need joints because you know what I, i'm part of the body here i'm i'm bone number bone here my wife she's a part of the body we're bone here but you know what we're both bones that's all we need to be but there's no joint connecting us so you know what we're fused we're not effective we're not dynamic not dynamic. We can't, we can't move. We can't bend. We can't do work. We can't do things. Go to work tomorrow with a fused bone and see what happens. Go tomorrow and those of you that work and type, do it with fused fingers. Try to do that. Those of you that work with your hands and do heavy work, do it with fused arms. Try that. You can't do it. You have bones, but without joints, they don't work. And Paul made it very clear to this scripture. He says this, from the whole body, everybody, part of the whole body, joined and knit together by which every joint supplies. Not what every bone supplies, but every joint supplies. According to effective work by which every part does its share. So a part can't do its share unless it's connected to a joint. And notice, connected to a joint is almost, if not more important, than being connected to the head. The head is what gives instruction, but the joint is what supplies movement. My head, I mean, if you've ever had an injury, right? You know what it's like. When your head is telling your body to do something that your body doesn't know how to do because your head is giving the instruction, but because your body is not functioning, it doesn't work. Years ago, silly illustration, I'll make it quick. I, when I was a, a junior in high school, I, uh, sophomore in high school, I destroyed my ankle. Playoff game, heading towards the state, state championship, I destroyed my ankle. Just, I mean, worst sprain of my life. And it was so traumatizing, my foot, that in, um, that they were able to just, I played, kept playing, the rest of the playoffs, but literally the only way I could play was basically they put so much tape and braces on my foot that it was basically fused. It couldn't work. I was, I was limited to what I could do, but I could at least move around enough. So, but anyways, the trauma to it was so cra crazy 
that when I went to, uh, some of you have heard me tell this story, but when I went to get therapy, one of the things that therapists asked me to do was, can you bend your toes? Really? They pay you to come up with something that brilliant? Can I bend my toes? Yeah, I can bend my toes. And so he said, well, bend them. And I went, um, hold on a second. Give me a moment here. And I'm like, why are my toes moving? Literally, I mean, I'm panicking. I'm like, okay. Um, yeah, I thought I could bend my toes. They're not working. My toes were fine. There was nothing wrong with my toes. My toes, there was nothing medically wrong with my toes as far as um, um, nothing wrong with it. I didn't jam my toes, break my toes. It was an ankle issue. It wasn't a toe issue. But he said, try to curl your toes. And I'm like, come on curl my toes. I mean, really? It's, give me a challenge here, man. But I'm like, here's my foot. And I'm like, I mean, I was, I'm like starting to get a headache trying to curl my toes. And he goes, so a few minutes of working, he said, okay, try to curl your toes. I'm like, okay. I curl my toes and literally my foot went like this. My toes went straight. They wouldn't do this. Couldn't get my toes to do that. Like you do when you scrunch your toes up. My toes just went flat. And I'm like, I'm starting to panic a little bit now. I was 16 at the time, you know. And you're like, that's it. My, I'm, 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 my life is ruined. I, my, I can't even function anymore. My toes don't even work. And I remember the therapist, he laughed a little bit. He says, when you've had a trauma to a joint like you've had, everything that's connected or flows through that joint is affected. So he said, your toes have to be retrained how to curl. What was somewhat a, 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 a mundane and such an easy task became so difficult because I couldn't do this. I could only do that. And so here's what he did. He went and very gently, he said, okay, I want you to curl your toes. So I went like that and went flat, couldn't do anymore. He took his hand and just gently went like this, pulled, and then he pushed my toes up and he says, okay, just hold that position. A few seconds, he said, let go. He said, okay, do it again. I did it again, nothing. He put it in there and he just held it and he let go. He said, just hold that position for five seconds. I must've done that 10 times. And all of a sudden, he said, okay, curl the toes. And I went, and my toes curled. I'm like, thank you, Jesus, I'm healed. You're a miracle worker, Lord. You've healed my foot. As funny as that sounds, that's exactly what I thought. But here's the crazy part. There was nothing wrong with my toes, but the joint that the toes were connected to had trauma. So the toes couldn't get instruction from the head because the joint that it was connected to was hurting was broken, was dealing with things. So I'm all for the head. We got to be connected to the head. But the head can't be effective if the joints aren't working. This is why we as the body of Christ have been so ineffective because all we've talked about is the head and the bones, but we forgot about the joints. 
the connection points between each one of us. And so I was saying earlier, when you walk into a building to a service, what do you see? And again, it's not knocking it. This is the point I'm trying to make. It's not a knocking. That's a fused body. There is one head and a bunch of bones that are fused because there's not an effective joint of the body. Because every person doing their part for the body to be knitted together to work. This is why the Bible is so clear on the operation of the body. This is why we've got to break. We've got to allow the Holy Ghost to help us break out of some ruts that, that, the, that, that the spirit of religious tradition has allowed us to fall into that have taken the power of you as an individual out of it. And that's why, no offense, it's easy, and I'm going to get into this just for a moment, it's easy to slander my brother. It's easy not to want to fellowship with, my, with the person next to me because I'm like, you know what? I don't need you because we're not fitted together jointly. I'm a bone, you're a bone. Let's be bones by ourselves. Because you know what? Whether you do anything or not, I don't need you because I'm a bone. Look, man, I'm a, I, I'm a radius. I'm a femur. I'm a tibia. I'm a rib. Look at me. I'm a vertebrae. Look at me, guys. I'm the collarbone. Everybody look at me. I'm a collarbone. We've elevated the bones and made bones more important than the joints that connect them. Great. I'm glad I have bones, but my bones don't work without joints. This is why I got to be frank with you. I know God has an individual purpose for each one of you, but that purpose does not work and does not you don't understand that purpose, and sometimes God doesn't reveal that purpose because that purpose is worthless without outside of the context of the body, the joints. For example, my hand can say, hey, what's my purpose? I'm supposed to grasp, hold, shake, hug. What My hand can do all kinds of stuff. So my hand's going on, oh, oh, great creator, what's my purpose? But what the hand doesn't realize is the purpose of the hand is only there because it's connected to this joint, these bones, this joint, this joint, all the way up to the head. So let's just say one day, I said this last week, let's just say one day my hand wanted to be a diva because my hand is all that in a bag of chips. My hand's looking and going, you know, my hand decides to look around and go, you know what? Y'all don't do squat in this whole body. Look at all I do. Look at me. Can y'all do this? Can y'all do that? Look what I can do. I can write. I can eat. I can supply. Because you know what? The brain wouldn't work without me because the brain can't get food without me. The brain couldn't work without me because the brain can't drink without me. So you know what? I'm the most important. Kneecap, look at me. You ain't got nothing. We can sit in a chair and do nothing because your kneecaps broke. But look at me. I got it all. And the hand's just a big diva. So the hand decides, you know what? <laughs> Forget y'all. I don't, need to, I don't need the radius and the ulna. I don't need the ribs. I don't need the collarbone. Look at me. I got it going on. So you know what? Pfft, forget it. Take me away because I'm going to operate on my own because I'm the hand. I got a purpose. I got a calling. How about get this, right? I got gifts. Woo! Look at the gifts of the hand. Look at the hand. Got so many giftings. Look at that. Woo! Five-fold giftings. Let's elevate the hand because the hands, look, hands got elevated gifting. Look at all the giftings of the hand. Ooh, man, everybody wants to be a hand because the hands got gifts. Ooh, what's your gifts? 
What are your gifts? Look at the gifts of the hand. So the hand decides, you know what? Look, what, what gifts does the radius have? Radius has no gifts. The ulna, the, the what gifts does the ulna have? It just is a big, long bone. I've got gifts. I need to be used of God. So the hand decides, you know what? I don't need this. I don't need it. Y'all are holding me back. So the hand decides to go off and use its gifts on its own. Try that today. Try. If you think it's silly illustration, cut your hand off today. Lay it on the table and see what the hand does. Chop your hand off today. Lay it on the table. Put a fork in it and see how quickly food gets into your mouth. Whoa, wait a minute. Suddenly those gifts aren't that great anymore, right? Suddenly all oh, that talent doesn't do squat. Why? Because it's not connected to the body. My God, we've allowed, forgive me for a second, it's probably more flesh than his spirit, but I got to get it out of me. We've allowed our giftings to elevate us and isolate us from the body because we think we're that and all a bag of chicks and look what I can do. Honey, if you're not connected to the body, your gifts mean nothing. So your gifts that elevate you and separate you because you got all that. And look at me. Look, I can prophesy more like prophesy, but I can prophesy and I can do all this and I can minister. Look at all the gifts. And oh, sister so-and-so, she sits over there. She barely makes it in. Look, she ain't got that. I haven't seen one angel connect. you. She, wait a minute. What if sister so-and-so that you think is nobody is the way you're connected to the body, but because you're a gift diva and you move out. I know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not on a rant. I'm telling you, I'm trying to, forgive me for saying it this way, I'm trying to bust this attitude we have where everybody wants to be the gift. Gift, give me the gifts, give me the gifts. So guess what? We got 450 hands and we got nothing else. So if you look at the body of Christ, it's just a bunch of hands all trying to be the, the main hand. You know what? I have a dominant hand and a passive hand. I write with my hand. My left hand can say, you know what? I want to be the hand today that's important. Go ahead, left hand. You ever see me write my left hand? Looks like a two-year-old. So the right hand, it's got it. Left hand, but I need both hands. Can't clap. Try to clap with one hand. Doesn't work. You need two hands, right? Try to hold something. Things with, you need both hands. But one's dominant, one's not. But the problem is when we're all hands, we're all fighting to be the dominant hand. So we start doing gift comparisons. Do you guys know what I did yesterday? I saw 17 angels. I saw heaven open up. Basically, you're saying is, I'm the hand for today. All you other hands bow to me. This has got to stop. Because you know what? The, what Paul said is every single part of the body is important. If you don't think so, you ever broken your small toe? Several years ago, I caught my toe on a uh, on the edge of a bookcase or what I forget what it was or something. I had to come to Jesus meeting. My toe is that big. I couldn't wear shoes for I don't know how long it was. My entire body was affected because of my little toe. I gotta be up every day. I, I gotta be out. I don't wake up every day and go, you know what? All right. Come on, little guy. Little toe, I need you today. You're going to step up your game. No. But I'm telling you what, if the toe's not doing its work, everybody in the body knows it. I. It was about, uh, oh, Lord, five years ago. 
I had one of the worst, I mean, sincerely, I don't mean this to be dramatic. I had the worst tooth pain of all time. I remember it got to, it peaked so bad that the only thing, and I know this sounds dramatic and you're probably like, good Lord, Joel, you know, you're a little bit of a baby. I'm like, honestly, I remember I would, there got to a point, I remember sitting on the bed, rocking in pain with tears coming down my cheeks because it was absolutely excruciating. I had a tooth that had gotten, it was just, everything was going bad on it. And my tooth, honestly, you your tooth that big? You know what's funny? That tooth stopped the function of the entire body. I didn't want to eat, didn't want to drink, didn't want to move, didn't want to do anything. I just was sitting on the bed in pain. So you know what? My hand that day had an invested interest in my tooth. My hand and my tooth are so far away from each other. They're not connected. But because they're a part of the same body, my hand needed somebody to help my tooth. That's why if there's somebody in the body today that's hurting, it's affecting all of us. If there's somebody today in your small group and you go there today and they're having a, they're, they're struggling. Instead of you sitting there going, well, thank God it's not me today. Because I'm just, I got it going on. They're a part of the body. Whether or not you want to admit it or not, according to Paul, they're, they're a part of this body. If today, in small group, if we went with one single focus, and that was to make sure that the body was fitting together and joints working together, there'd be so much supernatural things happen, we wouldn't know what to do with it. But we walk in as individuals, we participate as individuals, and we leave as individuals. We give no thought to the joints that connect us. So we're not a body. We're a bag of bones. We're a bag of bones carried around in a sack that when people want to see, where's the body of Christ? Hold on. Give us a second. We'll lay out. You ever seen that before? You know, anthropologists that discovered an old, you know, ancient tomb and they're studying the body and they take the, all the bones, they lay it out on the table and you can see the, the skeleton, but there's no connection. It's cool, man. They can see everything, every bone. It's like, wow, there's 206 bones there. We can see if it was a, you know, what kind of, how tall they were and you know, see all that. But it's not, it's, not a, it's not a true body because it's bones, but nothing else. God, this is why I'm not going to be able to get, I knew, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. I knew I wasn't going to get there today. The Lord knew. We're going to keep going because we're going to talk about what is the joint. We're going to talk about next time what a joint is. There's a joint, there's a joint, what that does. What is the, what is the things that make up the joint, right? In your joint, your joints, your body right now, there's certain aspects. It's not just two bones coming together. There's cartilage and there's 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 uh, uh, tendons and everything that makes that joint work right we're going to talk about what that is next time we're not going to get there but my point is trying to break the attitude of the individual attitude of the body of christ we're joined together we're connected together in joints so what's more important for the body more bones or more joints think about it 
for a body to work, what's, what's more important? More bones or more joints? 206 bones, 360 joints. What's more important? More important is the joints. We need more joints than we need bones. So for every bone we have, we need almost double the amount of joints. 206 bones, 360 joints. That's almost twice as many joints as you have bones. So in a body to be effective, you almost have twice as many connections as you have bones. But when we're a single, focused, traditional thinking, traditional acting body, like we've been told is the church. That's not what the Bible talks about being the church. We're told that we've got 206 bones, 10 joints. That's it. And we wonder why the body of Christ is not effective. Because you know what? I, uh, let's see if I can do this here for a moment today without, uh, this is, this is worth a pause. This is sitting here next to me. Let's see if I can see if I can do it without making a, an absolute. Feel free to talk about yourselves for a second. Let's see if I can do this without making a total mess. Trust me, hanging with me, it's going to be worth it. There we go. For my, uh, for Christmas, my wife, as most of you know this by now, I'm a Lego, uh, I'm a big kid when it comes to Legos, so my wife, um, and so is my, my, my daughter and my son, my oldest daughter and my son, we're all Lego fanatics. So my wife for Christmas got us the Lego set Titanic. This is part of it. There's one, there's three parts over here on the table. It's too big to put all of it, but this is the part of it. It's really neat. It's a neat thing. If you can kind of see here the breakdown of it. But again, this is not about the point of it. But if I just do this real quickly, let's do this. What's a good, easy piece? To, there we go. Look at this piece here. Now, let me see what it says here. There's 10,000. No, sorry. Yeah. I don't understand why it says that. Yeah. There's 10,294 pieces to create this Titanic. Most of them, not much bigger than that. You know what? By itself, this is really not that great. Just a piece, simple. What's the purpose? You know, this piece, like, oh, what's my purpose? Well, you're a flat. This is called a, a one by four. It's a flat one by four in Lego term. By itself, what does this piece represent? Nothing really. But you see, if you look at this now, I don't know if you can see it. Uh, you might be able to see it a little bit. High definition at work. If you notice this part here, this part starts to really show up. Because you know what? As amazing as this model is, you can your eye is drawn to the part where the piece is missing. This part here probably has... 
2,500 pieces to it, minimum, just in this front half. Of the 2,500, because one is missing, it pulls your attention. So even though by itself it's nothing, when the context of all the pieces, the value of the one becomes great. Not by itself, the value of the one becomes great because of its connection to the whole. This piece by itself has no true great value. Yeah, there's value to it, sure. There's flexibility to it. You can do a lot of things with this piece. But its true value is not really known until it's finally connected to the body. Here's the problem with that, and I'm almost done. When it's connected to the body, it loses its identity. When it's connected to the body, doesn't stand out as much anymore. It's not the star of the show. Its value is because of its connection to the whole. The star of the show is the model. This is what's spectacular. This is what's awe. And I wish you could show, see the whole thing. It's really cool. You can go to the mall and you can see it. They have it at the mall. This is what's awesome. The model itself. But the model is not the model without the individual pieces that make it up. You take the pieces away. You have no model. But the individual piece by itself has no value outside the model. But when the pieces are together, the model has value. They have value because of their connection. Look, I took one off the side. What do you see now? What do you see? Same picture I just showed you before. What draws your eye? I got all these pieces. They're great. They're still there. But you're looking and going, um, excuse me, Joel, you're missing a piece. Little tiny piece. I took off this little piece right here. Not big. Look at the size comparison. Look at this part and look at that. Tiny little piece. But because it's missing, there's no value. But when it's on, you don't even see the piece anymore from your angle. It's just a part of the model. The glory and the beauty now rests in the model, not in the piece. Why did Paul say, I must decrease that he might increase? No flesh will glory in its presence. The true body of Christ is not the elevation of the individual. The true body of Christ is the elevation of the body. It's not about who gets the glory. It's not about who gets the praise and the accolades. It's about can the body, does the body function? So today it's not about is it my day? Is it my time? What's my role? Oh, Pastor Joel, what's my, I need a role. What's my position? I need a title. No, we need a body that functions. Because you know what? Your title elevates you. Your title helps you. It's about you. So you know what we've done? Because we are in we are we're we're we are all about bones and giftings, we've created titles to elevate 
one bone above another, one piece and another. And because of that, we now go, hey, I mean, come on, let's be honest. Have you ever looked at somebody and go, wow, that is one attractive radius? My goodness. I mean, I look across at my wife sitting right here. My Jesus, praise the Lord. So much goodness sitting here next to me, but I have to be honest with you, I've never looked at her and go, girl, mm, ooh, that Alma is looking good today. She would look at me and go, um, you've lost your mind. I've never said, girl, mm, ooh, the way that that dress flows over that radius just makes you glow. Ooh. I've never said that before, but you know what? Attach her hand to the elbow. Suddenly, she looks different. But I don't look at her and go, I don't elevate. I mean, you don't do that. You don't do that. You look at her. The beauty is in the whole, not in the individual parts. The problem is, we want, because we're not allowing Jesus to heal us, because we're not allowing him to make us whole, because our identity is not in Christ. It's in our own desires to help with our own insecurities, our own shortcomings, our own hurt, our own past. We want to be of the body, but we want to be the star of the show. And I know you're saying, well... Pastor Joel, it's easy for you to say because you're the one sitting here and we're all watching you. In about five more minutes, I'm going to turn this screen off. But the body of Antioch West is going to continue. In a few minutes from now, in the next three or four or five hours, the body of Antioch West is going to be functioning at a high capacity, not because of Joel, right? Because the body is going to be connecting in groups, in joints, working together. So today, if you're going to your small group today, just because, well, I'm going to go to a small group, you know, I just, uh, I guess, you know, I'll be the tibia today and I'll go see if I can find a femur. You're missing the whole point. Why are we doing small groups? Because we need joints to be effective. We're not a single cell amoeba that's just you know, working our way along. We're a body. We're dynamic. We're powerful because we're the body of Christ. But we're the body of Christ, not the bones of Christ. So if we started putting the body above the bones, what would happen? Because today, my job may be to support somebody else because today they're being the hand. That's why the Bible says, be careful that you let anything come between your brother. Something small. Why do you think the devil's constantly trying to sow discord in the body of Christ? Because he knows if he can bring division between the bones, he can stop the body. Doesn't matter how great your brain is. And you've seen people because of injury to certain parts of the body, their brain is highly functioning, but they're in a wheelchair today because everything from their neck down 
There's trauma there. So they have a body, but it doesn't function, even though their brain is there. So we focus so much on the brain, which is important. But what about the rest of the body? It's got to all connect together. And you know what's funny? Everybody wants to be the preacher, but you know what the preacher is? The pastor, the leader? It's the neck. I got to be honest with you, brethren, you didn't marry your wife because of her neck. And sisters, you did not marry your husband because of his neck. The neck is probably one of the most, the, the least glorified parts of the body, but it's the place that connects the head to the rest. We need a neck. You got to have that connection. That's a neck. That's why the Bible says he gave some, the head gave the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teacher, to do the work. We've elevated the neck to be everything. So the hands and everything else are functionless because we're all looking at the neck. I want to be a 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 neck. Ooh, the neck's so good. No, no. The neck is supposed to just take the information from the head and pass it through so that the body can do its work. That's the true function of the body. That's why we're 206 bones, but we're 360 joints. So I say this, and I know you're like, well, of course you're saying that. That's what you have to say. No, it's biblical to say it. Every bone matters. That's why if you're a part of Antioch West, whether you're brand new or you've been around so long, literally, you, we, you just... You just you're you just been around forever. Every bone is important. You're important. Oh, you got to say that, brother. Right? You got to make us feel better. No, no. I'm actually telling you what Paul said. Every bone matters. So when you go to your small group today, you matter. But not just you matter. The bone next to you matters. So instead of focusing on I'm a bone, you're a bone, we're all bones. Let's work on the joints today. Let's go to small group today, and instead of looking at each bone, go, okay, let's, how can we make sure the joints are working? You got some arthritis in the bones, in the joints? Let's get it worked out. You got some stiffness in the joints? Let's get it worked out. Let's make sure that our joints work together to function. Why? Because as we go about our week and we're the body of Christ, we don't really have true effect in this unless we're connected with joints. So today, as we go to small group, our desire is every bone and every joint would be functioning. And if there's some pain and some hurt in the body, let the body heal itself. The body work together to heal that. Maybe today there's a, there's a person in the body that's you're struggling. It should be the body that says, okay, wait a minute. We've got a brother or a sister that's struggling. Let's come together. Let's minister to them. Let's love on them. Let's make them connected. Let's not just go and say, well, did you, they, were, they were just in a bad mood today. Did you know what's going on with them? It's just bad. What if they're because they've got some stuff going on, but because I'm a bone and they're a bone, it doesn't matter. You can have your attitude, Mr. Bone, because I'm a bone. No, let's get this thing worked out. I'm not talking about kumbaya, you know, Let's, why, you know, you know, why can't we be friends type attitude? This is supernatural because we're not just a functioning social group. We're the dynamic body of Christ. 
Now we're going to come back next time, and I didn't realize this was going to turn into this, but the Lord knew this. We're going to come back next time and talk about what what's what actually what's the joint, what makes up the joint, because the joint's not simply oh I'm here, you're here, we're hanging out with each other, you know, shake your hand. The joint is supernatural connection. It's coming together. The Bible calls it koinonia. It's a supernatural fellowship connection with one another. Last week we had it beautifully. You should have been in that room. I mean, I said this to several people, and I mean this not to flatter. I just It was just an observation. I believe if Peter and Paul would have walked into the room that we were in last week, they would have looked around and they would have gone, wow, I'm familiar with this. Hey, this looks familiar to me. Because there was a body last week. I watched people connecting. I watched joints being formed by different parts of the body that wouldn't normally form. But we were there. We were connected. We were, we, were, we, were, we were with each other. And the Spirit of God was at work. Father, I have, with every ounce in me, tried to obey your word today. But Lord, if I said anything in error, if I said anything in my flesh, I pray, God, that you would erase it out of every mind of every hearer, that only your words would remain. But God, I know you're speaking. I can feel the spirit of revelation. I can feel it. And Father, this is not a campaign against anyone, but this is a desire to restore your body to the full function. This is not about what we should and shouldn't do. This is about your desire that you would have a body that functions and that has power and might, dominion, authority that represents who you are. We're not just any body. We're the body of Christ. You're the head of this thing. And God, you are beyond amazing. And if that's the case, then your body should be the same thing. It should not be just a social club or a Sunday commitment, but your body is to be dynamic, powerful. But God, we've got to do it your way, not our way. I mean, some of us have got to be willing to humble ourselves and decrease. And maybe we're just going to be one of 2,500, but it's not the value of the individual, but it's the value of the whole. But the whole without the individual has no value. But the individual without the whole has no value. So I need the body as much as the body needs me. But Lord, we've been lied to by the spirit of religious tradition. The devil has done everything he can to separate us from the body. But I believe you're trying to restore your church to full function. And it starts with us today, God. So I speak right now that your spirit would work in our lives, that revelation would come to us today. That we could see that what was spoken today was not just the ramblings of a human being, but it was the demonstration and the power and the might and the revelation of your word as you're trying to restore your body to full function because there's a world that needs your body. There are hurting people out there that need your body. There are things out there that cannot be done unless the body of Christ does those, but we cannot be a fused bag of 206 bones but we need to be a fully functioning body that we can demonstrate the power of the head and we can carry out the commands of the head as you see fit. I speak these things in Jesus' name and I bind every spirit, every lie, the adversary, every spirit of tradition, every 
every spirit that would war against this word, that as we go about our day, that would keep this word from finding lodging and fruit. But God, as we gather today in our small groups, that there would be a fresh revelation that would hit us even in our small groups today, that we would understand the power of each other and the connections that we have with one another aren't simply just friendships. They're not simply just, oh, how are you doing? Good to see you. But God, there's something supernatural taking place when we function as the body, when every every single part of the body is working to do its part. I speak these things today in Jesus' name. We receive your grace today to be your body in Jesus' name. God bless you. I, I mean that let the Lord continue to let this word seep into your heart and let the Spirit of God continue to bring revelation to you in Jesus' name.